Hello, and welcome to another edition of Forrester CX Cast. Each week, we speak with an analyst from the customer experience team about their research or discuss a customer experience topic in the news. My name is Deanna Laufer, along with my co-host Sam Stern. You'll hear our voice each week. Hello, and welcome to another episode of CX Cast. I am your host, Deanna Laufer, along with my co-host, Sam Stern. Hello. And we are joined by frequent guest to the podcast, Principal Analyst Tony Costa. Welcome, Tony. Hello. Thank you. Um, we have Tony back today to talk about one of his recent reports called The Most Popular Customer Journeys to Map. The idea for this report came out of a lot of questions you were getting. Is that right, Tony? Yep. You know, one of the things we get asked a lot here at Forrester is, you know, where to begin? What journeys should we map first? Where should we focus? And while answering that question is kind of complex because you have to think about, you know, what are your business metrics you're trying to drive? What's your strategy look like? What's your strengths and weaknesses in terms of your customer experience? There's a lot of things that go into answering that question. There are some themes that, you know, looking back on all the journeys we've helped clients map in the past, there are some themes that were emerging of where they tend to focus more so than others. So tell me a little bit about this analysis you did. So we went back and we gathered, I think it was about a little over three years, two to three years of journey maps that we've helped clients. And these typically are workshops that we went out and helped clients map a number of journeys in. And we started categorizing and documenting all those journeys. And we looked at the type of journey, sort of where it falls in the life stage. Um, the nature of what it's about. Uh, we looked at whether it's a B2C, B2B type journey, we, if it's about employees and so forth. And then we just started looking and seeing where the data fell out. And there were some interesting trends that started to emerge from that. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things that was very clear is that CX pros are really focusing on sort of the greatest good for the greatest number of customers. They're really focused on the big core journeys that you think about when you think about customer experience. You know, product discovery, purchasing, onboarding, primary use case. And by that, I mean, the big use that they're selling the product for. Did this hold true across the different industry clients? We didn't do a big industry breakdown because by industry, it didn't seem to really matter. And we didn't have enough sample in certain industries to look at that. Mm -hmm. Overall, we had over 150 journeys that we were looking at. And so as you start breaking it down by industry, some of them just had, you know, a couple clients in a specific industry or a specific area. Some were focused more on B2B or B2C. And so the, the numbers would get just watered down when you get to that level. So this is a great set of data, right? Because these are actual journeys that were mapped um, that clients paid us to work with them on, mm -hmm. right? There's obviously motivation there. This is a data set of evidence. Was there sort of clear absence of any journeys that they should have been mapping, things that maybe popped out for not being there, right? That you're like, man, I'm surprised we didn't find any of these types of journeys being mapped. There were a couple of things that did sort of emerge. One of them is that there was really a dearth of employee-focused journey maps. Mm -hmm. um, when I talk about that, I really mean about things that make the employee's life better as an employee in the company. Okay. So if you think about, you know, onboarding new employees or training or how they can sort of conduct the sort of business of being an employee in a company, all yep. that sort of administrative stuff we deal with every day, very few journeys were actually mapped in that category. It was about 4%. And so hmm. that was kind of surprising given that, you know, Sam, based on a lot of your research, you know, happy employees tend to drive better customer experience. Yeah. Um, and a lot, when you sort of ignore these issues that employees have, you tend to have a lot of downstream effects of lower retention, lower engagement, lower customer satisfaction. And so we we're kind of surprised that there weren't more people mapping or at least considering journeys around the employee. Yep. And it seems like that could be a good place to start because when you actually think about mapping it and then validating it, mm -hmm. you have your employees in-house. They can validate it for you. You don't have to go out to customers. And so that's maybe mm -hmm. a, a nice benefit of, of mapping an employee journey early on. 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely sort of easier in some regards because they are sort of a captive audience. Um, although Sam and I are writing a piece of research right now on employee journey mapping. And one of the interesting things we're finding is how do you get honest feedback from employees mm. on the experience? Because it, for them, they're not just providing honest feedback, they're providing feedback on the management and the processes right. and the organization. And you know that gets into, you know, wow, am I going to get promoted if I'm really critical or if I really speak my mind? So there are some issues when you're doing employee journey mapping that you have to watch out for. Mm -hmm. um, but that's obviously not the topic today. <laughs> <laughs> we will talk yeah. about that in a later podcast. Yeah, teasing a future podcast episode. Yep. Yeah. Um, a couple other things that came out in terms of stuff that they were kind of neglecting or at least not focusing on significantly. Um, one of them was sort of experience renewal journeys. This is kind of repurchase, mm. re-engagement, resubscription. These are fairly low, definitely in the single digits. And this is kind of interesting because companies tend to focus a little bit more on sort of the capturing the customer, getting them in the door. Mm -hmm. but not necessarily keeping them coming back over time. And that was kind of, we thought, a deficiency that you should really think about because if you can retain your customers, that just has pure goodness. And there's some good yeah. research out there that talks about how retaining customers actually drives a lot of profitability just because acquisition is so expensive for a company. Yeah, the retention cost is typically lower than an acquisition cost. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really important to a lot of business models these days, subscription services, mm -hmm. software as a service. I would think that they should really focus on the renewal part yeah. of the journey. There's a whole growing job category, customer success managers focused pretty much on renewing and yep. driving long-term loyalty, right? So yep. you'd think they'd want to know how those interactions, those mm -hmm. journeys look. Yeah, and I would even say, you know, the, the other side of that is, you know, even if you can't retain the, that customer, how do you sort of end that relationship with them? Is mm -hmm. that a positive ending to that relationship or not? Yeah. Um, you know, when we talk about that, sometimes you sort of send these very blunt emails or responses to customers, right? It's, you've been unsubscribed. You know, your email has been <laughs> eliminated. It, it's not a very positive way to leave the message um, with the customer to make them want to come back. And, right. you know, the reality is customers are going to come and go. Um, I think even some premium brands, somebody re remember them telling me about Porsche and they said, yeah, our customers are going to have flings with other brands, uh, but they always come back at some point. Mm. And that's part of their experience that, yes, they're going to go out and try an Audi or something like that. But ultimately, they're going to come back and they're going to realize sort of the value of the brand. And we want it to end on a positive note and, and kind of acknowledge that. And, and I think that's an important thing to think about as your experience that customers may not need you all the time. And that they might come and go and you want to leave it in a good place. So when they do come back, that's like, hey, I really liked working with that company. I have a need for that. I want to re-engage. Tony, imagine if, you know, you're updating this report mm -hmm. in four years. How would you expect the mix of journeys to have shifted in that time period? You know, I guess the way I think about that, if, if we are thinking about, you know, down the road of where I'd like to sort of see these numbers go is that, you know, I, I think as an overall the emphasis is right in terms of where they're placing their focus, yeah. especially because a lot of the companies Forrester's helping tend to be early. And I think as an overall, most companies are still just ramping up in terms of journey mapping. There are some companies out there that are very mature and are doing this at a very deep level. But if you're on your first batch of journey maps and, you know, their first three, four, five, six journey maps, you're going to focus on the big things that are driving your customer experience. Yeah. But, you know, as you get beyond those and you sort of have those up and running, you're improving those journeys themselves, you need to start digging deeper and looking broader at, you know, what are other areas we can focus on? And so I would probably see over time as they get more breadth in terms of the types of journey maps, those other areas, sort of the retention journeys, 
sort of secondary use journeys, which um, we didn't talk about yet. But these are sort of journeys outside of the main thing. So filing a claim, paying a bill, right? These aren't mm -hmm. sort of the big things people get out of that experience, but right. they're really necessary to maintain the ongoing experience in some way or things that sort of pop up in certain circumstances. Right. And so you'd want to have more companies focusing on some of those things because that's sort of the second tier of use. Right. that you want to focus on. Yeah, so I guess there's, it's rational to focus on purchase, to focus on onboarding of a customer because yep. if you can't get past that stage, you can't focus on any of those secondary use journeys, mm -hmm. the renewal journey, any of that stuff. Yeah. Well, one of the other things that we haven't talked about that I think was interesting, and this is something that kind of surprised me, is that we always sort of advocate to clients to map the same journey from different customer perspectives. Yeah. And sometimes they kind of say, well, why would we do that? That's sort of redundant. It's sort of doing work twice. Right. So we constantly encourage them to do that. And we're pleasantly surprised that about 37% of the journeys that were mapped were done from multiple customer mm. perspectives. And so that was a definitely a very positive note that clients, companies are getting the message that you need to look at it from different perspectives because it reveals different needs, different expectations along the way. Not everybody comes to the experience with the same sort of situation, right? I mean, you just think about, you know, taking an airline flight, a family with two kids versus a VIP who's showing up in a limo. Completely different right. needs and expectations and wants around what that experience is like. And it's important to map the journeys from those perspectives. Otherwise, you're not really getting a really representative view of how your customers are really approaching you. Right. Yeah, I mean, even, you know, we talked recently on an episode about TSA and mm -hmm. their issues and even the difference between someone who has pre-check and does not. I mean, their experience with flying is going to be radically different mm -hmm. and that's a subtle change that's not even controlled by the airline, right? Yeah. Um, one of the other things that sort of popped out that we haven't talked about as well is B2B journeys. We get a lot of questions all the time in CX around, you know, well, we're a B2B company, so obviously the stuff in B2C doesn't apply to us. <laughs> and it's not that it doesn't apply. It just applies perhaps in a little bit of different way, right? If you're thinking about a customer journey, like a purchase journey, the fundamental tools of journey mapping still apply. There's no significant right. difference there. But your definition of who that customer is is going to be a lot more complicated. Yeah. You might have multiple stakeholders. You might have a person who's simply just gathering information for a committee of people who are actually making the decision inside their company. You may have the person who's actually making the purchase is the decider, Right. There's a, a much more complicated dynamic in B2B than you have in B2C. But the fundamental tools and, and concepts apply equally. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point. It's not that it's not relevant B2C lessons or tools that started in B2C for B2B. In fact, they, they very much are, as you're yeah. saying. And B2B just has to sort of reflect and consider the fact that many of their equivalent journeys are more complicated because yeah. there's more people involved. There's more steps perhaps involved. There's some of those subtle influencer you know, roles that are sort of adjacent to the main buyer and the main journey. So yeah. um, I think that's a really good point to, to make is you can use these tools and then you just need to reflect the added complexity in your customer interactions mm -hmm. and relationships. Yeah. And it's also thinking about how that customer changes depending on what the journey is. So, mm -hmm. you know, in a yeah, consumer business, point. right, the person who purchases it is probably the person who's going to use it and ask questions for support and perhaps repurchase it. But, you know, and, it's, and the other thing is that if you think about a B2B journey, because, you know, from a company perspective, the roles are kind of, you know, siloed where one client we worked with, they kind of looked, mapped the number of journeys. They looked at an exploration discovery journey. They looked at a purchase journey, training and installation journeys. And one of the things they kind of came to realize when they were mapping this is that for the customer, the purchase didn't end when the thing was purchased, literally when they sent in the check for the, for the equipment they were buying. Because what the customer was really buying 
was this capability for their employees to actually run samples on this equipment. Hmm. And so that implied they were going to buy the equipment. It needed to be installed in their facilities. They needed to train their employees. <laughs> they needed to certify their employees to run mm -hmm. the machines. And that's what the customer was really buying. But the company wasn't really thinking about it that way. They would think like, oh, we're going to purchase it. Then some other group actually goes and installs this. We have some other people to do training and certification. And that's all downstream after the purchase. Right, right. But from the customer's perspective, the purchase really only ended when they could use the machines mm. on their own. And mm. that caused them to kind of start rethinking what it means as part of the sales process of when does the sale really end yeah. and when do you kind of sort of measure that satisfaction overall. Yeah. Huh. And I, th I think that gets to the to really the whole benefit of journey mapping, which mm. is you're looking at it from the customer's perspective. And mm. so you see what you think is this, you know, maybe one internal process as much broader than it actually is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a great point, right? End of purchase journey ends here. Well, not from the customer's perspective. And we learn that through the mapping. Yep. That's great. Yeah. For listeners that want to hear more about Tony's data, about which journeys customers tend to map first, uh, take a look at that brief. It's called the most popular customer journeys to map. Um, and he's also written some related research to help folks get started with journey mapping if this is your first foray into it. We'll also link to a report called How to Get Started with Customer Journey Mapping in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much, Tony, for joining us again today. No problem. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's CXCast. We'll post links to the reports we mentioned in this episode in the podcast show notes. For questions or suggestions, please contact me at dlaufer at forester.com. And remember, your customer's perception is your CX reality. Yeah.